Lord, we just thank you. We come before you this morning. We open up our hearts, Lord, that you would come and you would fill our hearts, Lord, with your word. God, we ask that you would remove any barriers, you would remove any strongholds, any blockages, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we ask that you would change us and transform us through the power of your word that is living and active. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right. Well, good morning. Um, we're going to continue on in our sermon series. Uh, you'll get through this. We are in week five. And so we're learning through the life of Joseph how to respond to life's most difficult circumstances. Because remember, Jesus said, uh, it's not a matter of if, but when. In this world, you will have trouble, unfortunately. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. Isn't that awesome? So a little bit of bad news, good news there. Um, so we're learning how do we respond in life's most difficult circumstances. And if we go over the, um, the story of Joseph, if we look at the life of Joseph, we can learn so many things about that. This guy's life is marred in tragedy. But then how God breaks through and uses all that tragedy for the good, for the blessing of him and for God and for others. And so we want to equip the church in not just how to survive and make it through hard times, you know, like you guys just moved house, built a new house. How do you just survive and get through those times? No. We want to equip us so that we can actually thrive. We can take those things that the enemy used for evil and turn them around for God. Amen? So that's where we want to get to, okay? So... Um, I'm just thinking about the life of Joseph. Think about where he came from, right? So Joseph was this bratty little kid. He had this fancy coat that his dad, he was the youngest of 11 at the time, right, brothers? And his dad makes him this fancy schmancy coat, loves him more than the other brothers. He, Joseph's, you know, kind, kind of uh, rub it in your face kind of a kid. And he tells his older brothers, you know, I had a dream and one day you guys are going to, bow down to me that's not ever I, I was the oldest brother i wouldn't want my youngest brother to tell me that right and so these guys couldn't stand him but think about it how bad do you have to be to be thrown into a pit and to be sold into slavery uh, and wanting to be killed right so you got to be pretty bad think about that that's where joseph's starting out from and uh you know being thrown into a pit with a fancy coat makes me think of a, a story in my life uh, when I was actually thrown into a pit with a fancy coat. Well, um, when I was in my former life, my pre-Jesus days, you know, um, I used to get into a lot of trouble and not proud to say it, but uh, when I was up in um, Arizona in college and my cousin got married up there and uh, you know, I wasn't 21 yet, but I wanted to go out to the bar and drink with all the guys because they're all older than me. So what do I have to get? A fake ID, right? And so I got my fake ID. I'm in the bar. We just came from the wedding um, right downtown Tempe area. And sure enough, get busted by the police and end up in the slammer. So I'm there and... I'm all dressed up because I just came from the wedding. I'm in the tuxedo. And I spend the night in that cold, cold cell. 
You know, it was like, that was the coldest place ever. And it was like this close from the roof. I was on the top, top bed of the, the bunk. And I'm like this close to the roof. And the light is like right there. And I couldn't sleep. And the guy beneath me is making all kind of noise. And I'm thinking, I am, this is the pits, right? This is, how did I end up in this predicament? And then, you know, the next morning, they wake everybody up nice and early. And you got to go before the judge. You got to stand before the judge. So they shackle you up, your hands and your feet. And guess who they put in the front of the line? And so I'm there, and there's probably about 15 other guys in back of me. And we're all in a chain gang, okay? So we're shuffling out to court. We stopped there, and I'll never forget what this lady guard said. She looked at me, she kind of looked me up and down for a second, then she said, you certainly win best dress this morning. <laughs> and I think I even heard some of the prisoners cracking up behind me too. Man, it was like, that was bad. I was in the pits. And just as God used Joseph's pit situation, just as he used all his tragedy, God used that situation for good in my life too. You know, I was thinking... Wow, you know, there was a lot of things that brought me back, helped me turn my attention to the Lord, helped me get me back into the right course. And that was one of them. So I actually thank God, now I can look back, that He used those times. He's used those experiences to help me grow closer to Him. And you know how Joseph grew out too. He grew up in the midst of adversity, but he would go on to become a great, great man of God like a strong man of God, a wise man of God. And God loved Joseph so much, he could trust him. He just used him to bless others in such a mighty way. So last week we learned about how Pastor Mark was talking about Potiphar's wife and how Joseph didn't sin, but he made the right choice. He didn't make a bad choice and make situations worse. He actually made a right choice. And he honored God. So let's go ahead and turn into our Bibles. Genesis chapter 39. We're going to see how God rewarded him. Okay, this is how God rewarded Joseph making the right choice. Genesis 39 verse 20 is where we're going to start. And there's three things that we're going to see from our scripture passages today that teach us how not just to survive tragedy and hardship, but how to actually overcome it and thrive in the midst of adversity. Genesis 39, verse 20 says, Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph's, Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Wow. Wow. So what was Joseph's reward for making the right choice? What was his reward for going the high road? He was thrown in prison. Wow. He was thrown in prison. Verse 21 tells us, While Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. And that's our first point. You can go ahead and fill it in in your bulletin. You can fill it in there. It says, how do you thrive in difficult circumstances? Number one, live in God's presence. Live in God's presence. And we've been going over this a few weeks in a row now. You know, Pastor Mark talked about 
Yahweh Shema, the God who is there, the God who is with us. And we see in the story of Joseph, Joseph lived in God's presence. I just like that statement. He lived in God's presence. God was with Joseph. And even when Joseph was a little bratty kid, was God with him? Yeah, God was with him. When he was in the pit, he was with him. When he was thrown in for, to prison for something he didn't do, was God with him? Yep, he was there with him. Joseph lived in God's presence while he was there in that prison cell. In that prison. And it changed everything. It changed everything for him. You know, Joseph could have been in prison and said, Whoa, why has God abandoned me? Like, where's God in all this? You know, like so many times we can say that. Where's God? How come you did this to me? But he didn't say that. Joseph knew God was with him. He was right there with him in the prison. And you know, uh, God is present in our lives whether we see him or not, whether we know it or not, believe it or not. God is with us because he's for us and he loves us and he wants to be with us. That was the whole goal, his relationship with us. Because we sinned and we fell out of relationship. So God had to send Jesus. And he brings us back, not just to forgive us for our sin, but to have a relationship with us. See, God's whole goal is his presence with us. Presence. That's what Jesus' name was. His name was presence. His name was Emmanuel. God with us. Do you love that? His whole, his name, one of his names is God with us. He was God in the flesh. It didn't even stop there. Jesus took it one step further. He's like, okay, I'm God with you. I'm here in the flesh. But wait, it's going to get better. When I leave, I'm going to go back to heaven and I'm going to send who? The helper, the Holy Spirit, the comforter. And he's going to come to live in you. Does it get any better than that? So Jesus says, wait, I'm going to leave and it's going to even get better than this. And he sends the Holy Spirit and you know, the moment that you receive Jesus, the very moment that you have faith, you have the Holy Spirit in full measure. You don't have a baby, a junior Holy Spirit. You have the full Holy Spirit in you. Every single Christian is the same. Not because you did things better or you did things worse. No, every Christian has the Holy Spirit living in you. But sometimes we're kind of like those helium balloons, you know, for graduation Everybody was standing in line, like 1,000 people to get on, you know, my kid's graduation day, elementary school, so we skipped that and I went for something else. But, you know, you get those helium balloons and then you get it for like a week and then s s kind of slowly, or it gets caught up in your fan. But if it doesn't get caught in your fan, it like is in the corner and it slowly dies, right? Same thing with us. We're like those balloons. You know, over time, the Holy Spirit, because we forget Hey, you know what? I need a filling of the Holy Spirit. I need to be filled up with God. So my connection with God, my relationship is really strong. So I can really have the presence of God. So you just say, God, would you please come and fill me with your Holy Spirit? God, I need more of you. See that connection there? You see that dialogue? You see that relationship happening there? So simple. So awesome though. You know that 
the most underutilized resource in the whole world. It's not like coal or oil, gold even. The most underutilized resource in the whole world is God. Christian, do you believe that God lives in you? The third person of the Trinity, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus. If you do, isn't that amazing? Wouldn't that change everything, the way you live, the way you work, the way you speak to people, the way you react to situations? The most underutilized resource in the whole world. So do we believe it? Do we believe it? You know, 1 Corinthians 3.16, there's a lot of good 3.16s in the Bible. This is one of them. It says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? Like, don't you know? The message translation says, you realize, don't you, that you are the temple of God and God himself is present in you? You realize that, don't you? You A lot of times I would say for myself, no, I don't really even think about it. I don't really take full advantage of that. Do you? Do you know that God loves you so much he comes to make his dwelling place, his home in you? He wants to know you to know that his presence is there with you. Just like Joseph in the cell. He is with you. It's awesome, isn't it? So, point number two. How do you thrive in difficult circumstances? Number two, live out God's favor. The first is live in God's presence. The second is live out God's favor. Genesis, moving on in the story of Joseph. Verse 20 says, but while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him, right? The presence. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. It's an amazing story. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. When the Lord is with you, We'll stop there. See, the prison warden looking at Joseph, he didn't have to worry about this prison. He put one of his own prisoners in charge of the whole prison. Have you heard of that yeah, before? Is that crazy? You know, I'm just going to step away here. In fact, I'm going to go on a long vacation. I don't even need to be here. Why? Because one of my prisoners is in charge. What? Yeah, it's Joseph. You should check this guy out. He's awesome. I don't have to worry about anything. He takes care of it all. That's favor. That's God's favor. You know, also while Joseph was in prison, he had God's favor to interpret dreams. And this is kind of weird for us, right? We're not that familiar with this kind of stuff. Interpretation of dreams. And God does that. He uses some people to interpret people's dreams. It's been awesome ministry I've seen it happen, be such an encouragement for um, my wife and I too. I don't know, I guess I'm too tired to dream at night. I don't have that much dreams, but sometimes my wife will. And we have a friend who does interpretation of dreams, and sometimes, man, that thing is awesome right on. And God gave Joseph the ability to do that. He interpreted the dreams of the cupbearer to the king. Right? He tastes everything, eat everything before the king does. Make sure he doesn't die. The baker of the king. And both of them had dreams. And they were talking about it in prison, all downcast. And Joseph goes up to them. Hey, what's wrong? Oh, we had these dreams. He can't figure it out. He tells them, 
Well, tell me a dream. I'll interpret it. God will give me the ability to interpret it. And he did. And the cupbearer ended up being released, just as Joseph interpreted and went back into his spot to work for the king. But the baker was killed, just as Joseph told him. But the cupbearer forgot all about Joseph. Just like so many times we can do that, right? A miracle will happen in our lives and we just forget. So Joseph was rotting away in the prison there, right? Two more years. It's a long time, right? Okay. So Pharaoh, he has the cupbearer there working for him again. And Pharaoh has a crazy dream. Pharaoh can't figure out what is my dream all about. So he's talking around and the cupbearer says, I know this guy. Wait a minute, Joseph. Forgot all about him. He's over there in the prison. He's awesome, Pharaoh. You know what? This guy can do it. He can interpret your dream, right? Picking up the story in chapter 41, verse 28, if you have a Bible. If not, it's not going to be up on the screen, but I'll just read it. It says, It is just as I said to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows it will be so severe. This is the interpretation of Pharaoh's dream now, right? Seven years of blessing, seven years of great abundance, and then seven years of total famine. It's going to be so bad, you're not even going to remember the first seven years. Okay, verse 32. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God and God will do it soon. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. That's a good idea, isn't it? That sounds like a God idea. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh, to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country, to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt, so the country may not be ruined by famine. So the plan seemed good to Pharaoh and all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, Can we find anyone like this in whom the Spirit of God is? Verse 41. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Ah, since God has made all this known to you, like you came up with the idea, there's no one, there's no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace. And all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. I don't know in the history of the world there's been a greater favor upon one man in this story. It's so incredible, right? Besides Jesus, of course. But this is a story of favor. Amazing. So, first Joseph's put in charge of the entire prison, right? Next, he interprets the dreams of the prisoners. And then, Pharaoh. You know, don't despise small beginnings in your life. You might start out small, Thinking, oh, this is just, I'm interpreting dreams of these two prisoners, right? What good is that? Next thing you know, you'll be interpreting dreams of Pharaoh. You start small and be faithful with the small things in your life, at your job, with your family, just the small little things. God will boost you up to the greatest things. Okay? Pharaoh, 
He was so impressed that he made Joseph the number two over all of Egypt. Crazy. So, the favor of God is amazing, isn't it? You see the favor of God in Joseph's life. But do you see the favor of God in your life as well? Or are you thinking, that's just a story. I'm so different than Joseph. My life seems to be the opposite. I have no favor on my life. God doesn't bless me. I think I just get the worst of things, not God's best. You know what? Whether you're in debt, and I know a lot of us are. We have certain debts we just can't seem to climb out of. Maybe you have a health problem. You know, Casey was suffering from meningitis daughter grace from major scoliosis maybe you have past hurts maybe you have things people have said to you done to you that you just can't get over you know what god wants to give you his blessing and favor in the midst of those things see that's the twist on this message today we thinking favor is all about like oh yeah we're going to be hooked up we're going to have no problems we're going to be so everything is just going to be so perfect but Jesus said, no, no, no. That's not how life is going to be. God wants to bless you in the midst of your troubles. You know, a lot of times uh, we go over the, uh, we talk about the prosperity gospel. We don't, I don't talk about it, but we see about it, we think about it, and there's a temptation to believe, if God loves me, then he's going to bless me with things, with money, uh, like materially. But the Bible doesn't talk about that at all. The blessings don't come in that kind of form, right? The blessings come from what we're talking about today, God's presence in you. The God, God lives in you. Are you blessed? No matter what is happening in your life right now, are you blessed? Yes, we're all blessed. God lives in us, right? And God wants to use you as salt and light. He wants to give you influence in your job. He wants to give you influence in the midst of these problems, in your family, that's called favor. God is going to use you to help with these problems. Those are blessings of God. That's the true prosperity gospel. Okay, number three, our final point. You can write this in your bulletins. You have been blessed to be a blessing. You have been blessed to be a blessing. Finishing off our story in Genesis 41. The seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end. And seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had said. There was famine in all the other lands, but in the whole land of Egypt, there was food. Wow, it's happening now. This is actually coming true. When all Egypt, had be when all Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. When Pharaoh then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you. When the famine has spread over the whole country, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout Egypt. And all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe everywhere. Eventually, even... We'll stop there. And all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe everywhere. So you see, it wasn't just... A few people being blessed. Okay, we're going to store up some grain. People from nations all around that area, that Middle Eastern area, came for grain. Came so that they would survive. Right? 
It was there in Egypt where Joseph's dream would come true. Even his own brothers who were from Israel, north, they came down to the south to buy grain. They didn't know that he was number two in Egypt and they ended up bowing down. So Joseph's dream did come true. They did bow down to him. So the people in the surrounding nations were saved. Hallelujah, amen. People actually had food. But the bigger blessing is this. Israel was saved. Joseph's family. Guess who came through that family? Jesus. Jesus. The nation of Israel. And we stand here today. We're here together today with faith and salvation because of a decision of Joseph. Because of the life that Joseph lived in the midst of hardship. Could you imagine? If Joseph said, ah, never mind. I'm just going to feel sorry for myself. So think about the ramifications for us. It's amazing. And you guys have the opportunity. We have the opportunity to do the same thing. In the middle of whatever we're going through, if you decide, you know what? I'm going to praise God through this. I'm going to value my relationship like the presence of God living in me. And I'm going to say my life is blessed because I know Jesus. I'm going to be an influencer. I'm going to take God's favor in my job, in my family, with my children, with my spouse. Could you think about the generations and generations and generations that that's going to have an impact? Sometimes we don't think. Our, we have this much, like, okay, this is going to bless me for tomorrow. I'll feel better. No. Families, generations will be saved, will be blessed because of you, because you have been blessed to be a blessing. You've been blessed to be a blessing. You know, when Jesus, when Joseph's um, family, the brothers came back down, right, they were like, man, we are sorry, Joseph. Partly because they were frightened he was going to kill them because of what they did. But ended, they ended up, Joseph revealed himself to them and there was a lot of healing. Joseph said, you know what? First, Genesis uh, chapter 50, verse 20, he said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Is that awesome story? where Joseph can finally get it all off his shoulders. My brothers have come back. Our family's together again. And you know what? I can tell them, I'm not mad at you anymore. I forgive you. I know you wanted to kill me, but God used it for good. So awesome. You know, like a few weeks ago, we talked about that puzzle piece. Could you imagine somebody opens up, you don't see the front cover, right? But you get the first piece of the puzzle. And you're looking at it, and somebody says, tell me what this is a puzzle of. What is the final picture going to look like? And you're holding up that one piece. You're like, it could be anything in the whole world. But you know what? You don't know what that puzzle piece is until you put in the final thing. Or you take a look at the picture on the box and it's something beautiful. We just have this one puzzle piece in our lives right now. But God sees the whole picture. Do you see how God is working in your life? Do you see how God is arranging things around? You know what? God is going to make a masterpiece out of your life, out of the broken pieces in the midst of adversity. So, a seven-year famine in the land was so severe that people were fed because of the wisdom Joseph had. Lives were saved. Generations and generations are here today 
with faith because the Messiah would come through that line. Israel was saved. Thank you, Joseph. God calls us to be just like Joseph, to be blessed, to be a blessing as well. So what are you going through right now at work? What are you going through in your home? Is, are you having a tough time with your finances? You know, God wants to help bless you. He wants to help encourage you. He wants you to give whatever you receive from Him, give it out as a blessing. The life of blessing doesn't start in a palace, which so many times we think it does. The life of blessing starts where? In a prison. The life of blessing starts in a prison. The life of blessing starts at your lowest point. God wants to meet you with wherever you're at in the journey. Wherever you're at, you might think your life is just awesome. It's just fine. You got no problems. God wants to meet you right where you're at. Or maybe you're going through a tough, tough time right now. You don't even know how you made it to church today. You just dragged yourself out and you're just showing up. Oh man, I, I don't even know what I'm doing here. I'm not looking at anybody. But you know what? God wants to meet you right where you're at. Right? Maybe you're caught in an addiction. Maybe you're backslidden. You're not even sure if you have faith anymore. God wants to meet you right where you're at this morning with his presence, with his blessing in your life so that you will become a blessing to others. And finally, wrapping up, Luke chapter 4. Jesus said this. He, he walked into the synagogue and he was wanting to announce his ministry. And you know, talking about the things that Jesus was about. And he was a speaker that day in the synagogue. And it says here in Luke chapter 4, verse 14, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit. And news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone was praising him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. On the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, and this is what it said. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to pro proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is what Jesus was all about. The Spirit of God is on me. Do you see how the Holy Spirit was so central in the life of Jesus? For what? So that he could be a blessing to others, to release prisoners, to set people free, to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And Jesus is our ultimate example of how we live. You want to know what your goal in your life should be? It's to be just like Jesus. Live in God's presence, right? Live out God's favor and then choose to be blessed, to be a blessing. Don't keep it to yourself. Amen? Let's go ahead and stand right now. We're going to stand and I'm going to ask, there might be somebody here who is going through adversity. Maybe you have something that is 
uh, wrong with your health. Maybe there is somebody here. I'm not going to ask you to come forward or raise your hand or anything today. I'm just going to ask you to search God. Search yourself, your heart, and then you say, this is an opportunity for me to let God minister to me right now. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you so much for the life, for the example of Joseph. Lord, what an amazing life. But we know it wasn't all roses for him. It was, in fact, the opposite. And Lord, that's like how our lives are too, because we know that life is hard. There's things in our lives that we go through, hurts that we can't overcome, situations that we don't know how to deal with, Lord. So we just, a lot of times, shove it under the carpet. So God, right now we ask, that you would take up this time, that you would say, you know what, I want to I bless my children. I love them so much, I want to just let them know that my presence is with them. So if that's you, you would just say, God, come and fill me with your spirit. Just in your heart, you say, come fill me, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. And God, we know that your presence is everything. It's the only thing. And Lord, with your presence, we can say, you know what? God is going to do an amazing thing in me and through me. So we give you total permission, Lord, to come and fill us. We want it. We welcome you, Jesus. And just like how your life was, Lord, we want our lives to be the same. That you would use our lives to be a blessing to others who need it, Lord. That there would be people who who are going through hard times, Lord, that we would be able to help minister to. Say, hey, you know what? I've been through that. Yep. I can sit here with you. I can be here with you. You know what? Jesus is there for you. I'll be praying for you. I can help you out. Lord, we just say thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, Thank you so much for coming. If there's somebody here you don't know, uh, say good morning, uh, welcome them, and then uh, you can show them where the refreshments are uh, in the back. Have a blessed Sunday. And remember, if you're um, going to get baptized, uh, we're going to be right up here. And come on up. We're going to explain a little bit uh, what next Sunday is going to be like. Aloha.